already? Oh, you start it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you start No, you already started it, Casey. <laughs> God. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Friends You Can Grow With podcast. I'm Casey Placencia. I'm Matt Nespri. And we're back with Dwayne Reiner to continue our discussion on how to study your Bible. But before we get started, how often do y'all think about the Roman Empire? Well, my wife asked me this, and a lot. Is this a trend going around? <laughs> I think it yeah. is. Okay, yeah. yeah. I would say at least every other day. I, I don't know if I could quantify exactly how much, but it's a lot. But I will say, in all fairness, if you're reading the New Testament, Mm -hmm. You should be thinking about the Roman Empire because yeah. it actually had a giant impact on everything that was written in the New Testament. Give us some examples of that. Why should I be thinking about Rome when I'm reading the Bible? And particularly, as you said, the New Testament. But so are you saying when I read through the Gospels, I should then immediately watch Gladiator? Or or what are we thinking here? Uh, well, I mean, Gladiator is one of those movies that you have to watch yes. whenever it comes on TV. Have you seen Gladiator? No. Stop and watch it. <laughs> Once again. Yes. Are you not entertained? Yeah. She doesn't get any of She this. doesn't get that reference. That's okay. But the point is, is that you got to understand like when, okay, so case in point, when you're reading the book of Philemon, okay, the letter to Philemon, okay, where he's, Paul's writing about Onesimus. If you can get a lot out of that letter just by reading it on face value. There's a lot of good stuff in there. However, if you understand the nature of, of slavery in the Roman Empire, that letter mm -hmm. takes on an entirely new facet that just takes it to another level. Mm -hmm. When you realize what Paul was doing in that letter was actually revolutionary. Hmm. <laughs> like when he says to, to Philemon, I want you to receive Onesimus back, not only as, as a, a slave, but more than that, as a brother. Mm -hmm. That was never done. Yeah. So there's actually a letter, I think it was a guy named Pliny the Younger or Pliny mm -hmm. the Elder. Yeah. He, wrote, he wrote a letter about a runaway slave, mm -hmm. totally different tone than mm -hmm. Paul. His thing was, hey, don't, you know, you can take him back. Don't go crazy, but it's okay if you beat him and other things like that. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, let's, let's kind of deal with it. Well, you know, roughly, it was not very loving in tone at all. It was mm -hmm. kind of his way of, helping him figure out how to deal with this runaway slave. Paul's saying, hey, I want you to take this runaway slave and I want you to receive him back as an equal. Mm -hmm. That was not done. Yeah. In the Roman world, slaves were not equal. Slaves were property. Slaves were something to be used and often abused mm -hmm. in varieties of ways. And they were, they, they were the dregs of society. Mm -hmm. So when Paul said, bring this person back and have him sit with you, have him be in, in attendance with you. Have him be, uh, and, and also to forgive him, which was not done. Usually mm -hmm. runaway slaves were either killed or often, more, more often, they were sent to the worst jobs in the Roman Empire, like in the mines, yeah. where it was basically a death sentence, but they would get the, squeeze the last little bit of life out of you before. Mm -hmm. and, and Paul's like, don't do any of that stuff. Yeah. That, so, okay, so that's where understanding the nature of the Roman Empire actually gives you some some clarity on what Paul was saying, because now we take it to the modern world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, so if Paul's saying to, to Philemon, receive back this guy as a brother. Now, if someone's, and, and most likely we, you can infer Onesimus did something wrong mm -hmm. besides just 
Run running away. away, it's likely he stole from Philemon too. Mm-hmm. You kind of because he makes Paul makes a reference of if he owes you anything, put it against my charge. So mm-hmm. we get a pretty good sense it was more than just Onesimus ran. Yeah, and also he's probably pretty lazy because he said you know he his names means useful, but he said he's probably been useless to you before. So but now mm-hmm. he's been useful to me. So we get this sense there wasn't a great relationship. Yeah. So imagine you have somebody <clears throat> who treats you badly who um, you have power over. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a boss. You have an employee who's disrespectful, who's troublesome. That letter challenges you to not just lay into that person. Mm. That, 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 that actually, that letter challenges you to say, is there a way I could receive that person back? If that person, or if that person comes back with a repentant heart and and ask for forgiveness. What does that letter tell me to do? That letter tells mm-hmm. me to treat them with love mm-hmm. and kindness and receive them yeah. back. Mm-hmm. So you see the application. You take it from what did it mean to Philemon in that Roman culture to receive that letter from Paul? What did it mean for Paul to write that letter to him? And then now, what does that mean for me in my situation? Yeah. How can I now use that and apply it to my daily life? Or maybe it's even to your kids. Maybe yeah. your mm-hmm. kid goes off the rails and and just abandons you and then comes back mm-hmm. well how do you receive them you receive them as 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 in a in a state in a good state you receive them back with love yeah yeah i love that you know it makes me think of anytime we watch a movie or or we read a book the author or the director goes to great lengths to set the scene so that you can really feel the emotion in the scene or or grasp the storyline but the biblical authors didn't really do that for us. They didn't set the scene as far as Roman historian context or any of that. Mm-hmm. So it really gives us a, a benefit and a leg up when we understand the context and the scene in which they were writing. Well, and you have to remember too, like when you write an email to somebody, you don't say in the year of our Lord, 2023, in which such and such was president and mm. so and so was there and inflation was at this amount and yeah. things happen you don't set the stage because you, why the other person knows what the, yeah. what's going on in the world yeah so see it yeah. adds realism hmm. if and, and adds reliability to the bible what we had discussed in the last episode think about it this way if you have if if you were a book where they were setting the table for everything that happened it would make it seem like well, they were probably, this probably wasn't yeah. written at the time because mm-hmm. they had to explain everything. Yeah. To yeah. Us. They don't, mm-hmm. you don't explain something. If somebody, if the person you're writing to knows what's going on, yeah. mm-hmm. you never do that in an email. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of another way in which there's believability about the Bible because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, Paul's just, they know what Paul knows. You mm-hmm. don't need to tell them yeah. what slavery is like in the Roman empire. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They know what they know what it's like to have a slave yeah. or to be a slave. A lot mm-hmm. of Christians were slaves. And so Paul didn't have to set the stage. What Paul did was say, we all know this. Now let me tell you what God says about this. Yeah. yeah. In, in that way, it kind of feels like the, the authors of the books of the Bible were really a part of something so much bigger than themselves that even they didn't understand quite how long lasting and in-depth their writings would go. Well, I mean, that's where we have to get into and maybe even start talking about some of the the maybe, I don't say for lack of a better term, myth busting on Bible stuff. <laughs> but okay. we do have this idea that the authors were like, Paul was sitting down, he's like, you know what? 
All right, gotta gotta keep the Bible going here. Let me get the Bible. Mm-hmm. Let me finish my this next chap this next book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Paul wasn't thinking that. Yeah. Paul didn't even know there was going to be a quote Bible. Right. The only Bible that Paul knew were the Old Testament scriptures. Mm-hmm. They he didn't have an end he there's no indication that Paul believed. There was an indication that Paul believed what he was writing was valuable and from the Lord and should be used by the people mm-hmm. to help them. So there was an indication he felt like there was some sense of authority mm-hmm. coming from his writings. But not everything Paul wrote made it into the Bible. Mm-hmm. So there was a reason why God chose certain things to make it into yeah. to the word. But there's no indication that the, the biblical authors were thinking themselves, let me write a new Bible. Yeah. Let me continue on with the Let's Bible. Let's get published. They're writing for a moment in time that God intended and directed mm. for our purpose. A lot of people think that the Bible was dictated, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. That's the the misnomer. Everybody's like, well, God, they sat down with a pen and they closed their eyes and God moved their hand mm-hmm. or God said, right. And now write the, you know, yeah. that's not what happened. That's mm-hmm. not how it was. They wrote to people. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look in, so originally the Bible, the old Testament was mostly written in Hebrew. There's mm-hmm. a few sections in Aramaic and then the entire new Testament was written in Greek mm-hmm. because that was the common language of the Roman empire. So of course it made sense. It was written in Greek. Um, but if you actually, if you, understand the the Greek language and you look back at the original Greek, there's differences in the books, uh, grammatical and writing style. Hmm. The choice of word choices differ between book to book because it reflects the grammar of the writers. Yeah. Peter's grammar is much less um, <clears throat> like distinct and much less um, like technical mm-hmm. than Luke. Mm-hmm. Mm. Luke being from the Greek world, okay. much more, you know, much more educated. To, yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah. Paul, Peter's a fisherman. Right. Mm-hmm. So his Greek is more rough, kind of like yeah. what we would write, you know, yeah. if we were trying to write in a language we didn't grow up speaking yeah. mm-hmm. per se, or we spoke as a second language, we might not write it as technically sound as we do our first language, English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of thing. So you see those little things and you begin to see oh, there's some nuance here. There's, there's, there's like d- differentiation. So they were writing in their own style as inspired by the spirit. So what we believe is that the Bible is the word of God because it's the word that God intended us to have Mm -hmm. the Bible that he intends to have. There are sections. The only sections you would say are maybe dictators. Like if you go back to the old Testament and some of the prophets, God gives a specific message Mm -hmm. to be that. Well, obviously that's a dictation, but that's a dictation of a specific prophetic message given to a prophet to share to the people. Mm -hmm. But just as far as like the, the history of the the history books of the old Testament or the gospels where they're writing that in their own style, in their own words as directed by the Holy spirit. So it's this process. It's the Bible is very much a human and divine um, partnership. Mm. And, 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 but of course it is, right? Because that's mm-hmm. God's plan throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God's plan's always been a human divine partnership, whether he chose Abraham to be the father of many nations so that through him, Jesus, human and divine, could bring salvation to us. Mm-hmm. So there's always been, so God's always worked through humans. Mm-hmm. We we sometimes get freaked out about that. We are more freaked out about God using humans than God than is. He is, yeah. yeah. God's way more fine with using imperfect humans uh, in using humanity than we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we have to remember it's a human and divine partnership. Yeah. yeah. And with that, talking about the, the difference in languages or, or the, even the difference in intonation between letters, how does that affect how I read different books of the Bible? Am I going to read 
a Leviticus different than I read Hebrews? Well, that's a really good question because, again, we've talked about how people sometimes see it as one whole. They just sit down. This is a a book. Mm -hmm. The Bible is a book and I read it. And so what happens when they read it that way Mm -hmm. is they tend to think I've got to read every book the same way. Mm-hmm. Everything. Okay, well, it's now it's numbers. I'll read it the same way as I read the book of Revelation or read Matthew the same way as the book of Revelation or something like that. Because it's all one book is what I think. But remember, it's it's the Bible. It's Biblos. It's a, it's a library of 66 books. Yeah. And each of those books has a distinct genre. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about genres. This is, you know, when we watch something on TV, we in, in our culture, we instinctively know the different genres. Okay. So if I were to say a movie, um, Schindler's list, what kind of genre is that? I mean, there's a couple of little nuances, historical but drama, historical drama, right? You would say drama, right? It's about the Holocaust. Mm. Um, what about, maybe what about the it? Barbie movie? Yeah. The Barbie. Mm. movie. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I don't know. What about, okay. So what about, um, dumb and dumber? What is that genre? That is historical, but it's a comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's historical yeah. of how crazy we were in the 90s. Yes. It'll go so, down in history. Okay, so it's, it's pretty, movie. you instinctively know different genres, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Or, um, but true, the Barbie movie was sort of a, I didn't see it, but it was like, what, a dramedy almost? Like a little bit of drama, a little bit did of comedy. Did you not see it? I did. I don't know how I'd describe it. Though. But there were elements <laughs> okay. of comedy, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, in books Would you expect, too. okay, so let me ask you a question. The, the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised they didn't get into the nuances of the Holocaust mm-hmm. and the horrors of society? No, when you watch Dumb and Dumber, or, or when you Why watch Schindler's you List, I'm the one that watches watch, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I watch Dumb and Dumber. So when you watch Dumb and Dumber, okay, yes, yes, uh, you know you have certain expectations. When you watch Schindler's List, are you surprised they didn't have zany pie fighting scenes and crazy things like they do in a movie like Dumb and Dumber? Not a joke in the whole movie because the genre didn't a didn't make sense, yeah. right? Yeah. You you begin to expect certain things like like the Barbie movie. You're not going to expect it to deal with historical issues of the Holocaust because it doesn't fit that genre. Mm -hmm. If you're watching true crime, Mm -hmm. everybody's addicted to true crime now. Right. You Mm -hmm. you expect that to tell true stories of crimes that happened. Mm -hmm. You don't expect them to tell you about alien abductions Mm -hmm. that doesn't the sci fi true crime. Two different things. You're Mm -hmm. expecting a truthful, you know, kind of recitation of, of a crime that happened. Yeah. Um, if you watch Star Wars, you expect it to be in space because mm-hmm. it's sci-fi space drama. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you don't expect Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner to have mm-hmm. aliens involved. No. Okay. So. Think angels. <laughs> maybe. But you bit. don't expect, there's certain things you expect, you know, from different genres. Yes. Okay? That's the important thing to remember. So. When you're reading the Bible, Mm -hmm. you got to remember that the people who read the Bible in the original cultures understood their genres as well as we understand our genres. Mm -hmm. If you took Paul's readers and you took them to the 21st century, they probably would have a hard time understanding the concept of some of our comedies and some of our dramas because they don't understand all the nuances of them, Mm -hmm. right? So they would have, they would need you to explain to them. Why is this character doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is this person doing this? Yeah. Why are they talking about that? What is true crime? They wouldn't mm-hmm. even know what true crime was. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you take us now and we're transported back to the first century, mm-hmm. we need help understanding the different genres. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what does it mean? Sure. Okay, so here's a here's a case in point. 
this is maybe even a little bit controversial, but I think it's worth getting into. Okay. So we talk about, so what genre is the gospels? Okay. So the gospels, just without getting into all the details, basically mm -hmm. have all the hallmarks of ancient biographies. Mm -hmm. So if you compare the gospels to other ancient biographies of the time, they match up really mm -hmm. well with the style, even the length, even the the way that it dealt with the the different aspects of life. The fact that it spent most of the time talking about adulthood, very little about childhood. Mm -hmm. That was very much a hallmark of ancient biographies. Okay, mm -hmm. so they do that ancient. So very much like that. So here's the interesting thing about ancient biography was, even in the in that time period, if you a person wrote an ancient biography, they intended to relay factual evidence about a person's life. Hmm. So when the gospel writers wrote the gospels, what they were doing was writing a factual representation of Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. They weren't writing fantastical elements. Mm -hmm. They weren't making up the miracle stories. They weren't making up um, the, the, the resurrection and all these things. They, they were saying, look, we're just telling you, this is factually what happened in this person's life. We're just relaying the biography of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you read the Bible, I mean, when you read the, the gospels, the four gospels, you should read them literally, mm -hmm. meaning as intended at that. It was intended to be factual evidence of Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. That's how you should read it. To read it any other way violates what the author intended to communicate. And I think also what God intended to communicate through that. Mm -hmm. So that's the genre of it. Okay. Just like you would watch comedy, you expect certain laughs and things yeah. to happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now let's go to the book of revelation. Mm -hmm. That's a bit more controversial Yeah, mm -hmm. because people will say, well, if I don't read it literally, meaning mm -hmm. every single thing has a literal interpretation, interpretation. Yeah then I'm violating the scripture. But that might be true if Revelation were an ancient biography, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It belongs in a special category, a genre we don't even have today, which mm -hmm. is called apocalyptic. Now, if you think of the word apocalypse, you think of the zombie. movie Apocalypto, Sorry. <laughs> possibly, or a zombie movie mm -hmm. or Mad Max, mm -hmm. something where the world's ended. You're right. Right. That's what apocalypse means now. Apocalypse did not mean that back then. Mm -hmm. Apocalypse meant a revelation. Mm -hmm. It was basically what it meant was a peek behind the curtain, mm -hmm. a revelation of what the divine God is doing behind the scenes of the world right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Okay. Well that now, now we're okay. That in and of itself changes a little bit of our perspective yeah. on it. Right. Then second, cause we usually go into it with a modern, we see the, and just as a, as an aside, the whole point of studying the Bible is to draw out the meaning of the Bible. Mm -hmm. If we go into reading the Bible and what often happens sometimes and where it gets off is we read things into the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's the opposite of Bible study. Yeah. Bible study is drawing out. It's not putting in modern <clears throat> things. So if I go into the book of revelation and I assume it's talking about the end of the world, mm -hmm other than obviously the very end where it talks about new heaven and new earth. Mm -hmm. But if I'm saying the rest of it must mean the end of the world because apocalypse means mm -hmm. nuclear war, zombie outbreak, you know, mm -hmm. Mad Max pandemic. If it does, if I read, if I go into it saying that, yeah. what I've done at that point is not drawn out from the Bible. What was in there. I've read into yeah. the Bible, a modern interpretation of a word that doesn't match mm -hmm. what it meant to the original readers, which is why you got to understand the context, 
the writer and who read it originally. Mm -hmm. Because if it only meant the end of the world, what value would it have had to a group of people who lived in the first century who right. obviously did not experience the end of the world? So again, that's the apocalypse, right? Yeah. So apocalyptic is a genre. So then what you have to do is you have to read the book of Revelation as it was intended to read, just as if you would watch a comedy mm -hmm. the way it's intended. Yeah. Okay, so what's the elements of apocalyptic? Well, apocalyptic literature, that genre, it used heavy symbolism mm -hmm. to... to um, basically describe things that were going on in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It used uh, numbering systems. Mm -hmm. You ever wondered why Revelation, almost all the numbers are sevens and twelves mm -hmm. or derivatives of that? Yeah. Okay. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? That it would, you know, if you usually numbers don't line up that well, mm -hmm. but in apocalyptic, they do because it's symbolism. Heavy on yeah. numbers. Right. Yeah. So, and then they would often use, and they were more than just the book of Revelation that were considered apocalypses. Right. They would use fantastical imagery mm -hmm. to describe events in the world and things yeah. like that. So what happens is, is if you go into that book and you say, well, because the gospels are literal, I have to read the revelation as literal. What you're mm -hmm. actually doing is you're, most likely missing the point of revelation mm -hmm. because right. you're trying to force it to to read the same way before yeah. it'd be like saying like i said just like watching schindler's list and being mad that there's not more jokes yeah, yeah. that would be ridiculous yeah. i mean you it'd be, it'd be stupid for someone to say yeah. that right yeah. you would say well of course not it's about the holocaust you have to treat it with reverence yeah. you have right. to treat it respectfully i mean this was terrible yeah you would never do that <clears throat> Well, it's similar in the sense that you would you would it would be irresponsible to try to make Revelation be read the exact same way that you read the epistles that Paul wrote or even especially the Gospels. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It it feels like in a sense that we oftentimes can try to read the Bible through the lens of what's going on in our world and our culture when if I'm hearing you right what you're saying is it should be flipped. We should read the Bible and use that as our lens of how we view the world and what's going on around us. Is that, am I hearing you right? Yeah. In fact, think about it this way. Maybe you guys have ever been in a Bible study. <laughs> this has happened so many times in colleges and small groups across the country. And it's one of the most dangerous things. They take a scripture, like, mm -hmm. they read it. What does this mean to you? Yes. Yeah. That is a terrible thing to ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because... It doesn't matter what it means to you because it has a meaning. Mm -hmm. And if five different people say, well, it means this to me, then what we've actually done is confused the meaning of the scripture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The meaning of the scripture is not determined on what you feel the meaning is. Mm -hmm. What the better question is to say, this is what the, this is what the verse meant mm -hmm. to the original people. How does that apply to you? Yeah. See yeah. the difference in that question? Yeah. See, Anytime we say a, a scripture has multiple meanings, we run the risk of creating confusion and often getting away from the actual intent that God had for us. Mm -hmm. And we get, we, we foster, that's where crazy theology gets born out of. Mm -hmm. People are like, well, this means this to me. That's yeah. why people can say ridiculous things like, well, God told me to divorce my wife. Mm -hmm. What scripture? Well, this scripture, this is what it meant to me. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. but obviously that didn't, that's not yeah. what God yeah. meant. Yeah. You took something and misapplied it by mm -hmm. creating a, a false meaning. Yeah. So whenever we say, 
so that's what happens when we begin to read into scripture. Yeah. There's very, okay, I'll just use these terms. They're, they're technical terms that people may hear. It's not that important for people to remember, but there's two different things involved in studying the Bible. One is called exegesis mm-hmm. and one is called eisegesis. Mm-hmm. Exegesis means you draw out. Mm-hmm. Eisegesis means you put in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should never put in anything into scripture. Yeah. We should only draw out from scripture and then apply it to our lives because every part of the Bible has some level of application. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just in the book of Leviticus where you're like, well, yeah, but we're not following those laws anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. True. So you don't need to apply that to your life, Mm -hmm. but could you apply the reverence that it's calling you to do Mm -hmm. towards God? Or like there was, okay. So there's this thing, remember where there's like, you can't have two, a garment with two cloths woven. Does that mm-hmm. mean we need to go apply it to our lives by destroying all our cotton poly blends? No. Are we going to hell because we're doing that? I hope no, not. that's not what it means. <laughs> what did it mean to them? It meant stay separate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stay separate from the pagan world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know, so we know drawing out from it, it meant that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now how do I apply that to my life? Not what does it mean to me? It yeah. means don't stay separate from paganism. Yeah. Okay. So we know it means that nothing's changing that. Yeah. But the application to me is when I go to work, I need to stay out of the conversations that dishonor God. Mm -hmm. I need to not go to certain places with my coworkers after work because it puts me in a situation where I'm tempted to dishonor God. Mm -hmm. I stay separate. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you draw out a meaning and then apply it to yourself. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, the the term what or the the phrasing what does this scripture mean to you kind of strikes me as the Christian version of live your truth, you know. It kind of it's there is a truth yeah. and it doesn't matter what that means to you that doesn't really affect the truth. Um Right. So as we look at the genres of the Bible, we've we've gone over a couple, apocalypse, right. we've gone over um historical autobiography. Yeah. What else can we expect when we're looking at the Bible? What genres can we expect to see? Well, you have some like letters in the Mm -hmm. New Testament, which is the majority of the books. Mm -hmm. Those are, we call them epistles. That basically just means a letter. Mm -hmm. So there were certain stylistic elements to a letter that we kind of draw off of. The interesting thing about the letters of the Bible, it's like a one-sided conversation. It's like someone's on the telephone and you're hearing they're them talking, but you're not hearing what the person on the telephone is saying. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting because you're you're drawing a little bit of inferences of what actually was happening in the church because all you're hearing is Paul's side of it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Then you have in the um uh so the New Testament doesn't have quite as many variety of genres. The mm-hmm. Old Testament has more like um you have historical, mm-hmm. you have books of the law. Mm-hmm. which have their own style, like Deuteronomy, Would, yeah. Numbers, yeah. Leviticus. A historical would be like Kings. <laughs> Kings, Chronicles, Samuel, Samuel. Okay. Uh, Joshua, Judges. Judges. Yeah. Um, even Ruth. Ruth. To extent. So there's a lot of historical books. You have wisdom books in the Old Testament, which would be like Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. Um, mm-hmm. Job is kind of considered often a wisdom book. Mm-hmm. Um you would also have them prophetic books mm-hmm. and the prophetic books, you know, have certain stylistic elements to them. I mean, there's a lot of technical stuff you can get into, but even the different styles of even the different kinds of prophecies they give mm-hmm. kind of give you a different sense of where you're drawing from and things like that. Yeah. And some books 
even span genres, right? Like a Daniel yes. gets into apocalypse yep. at some point. That's important. Prophecy, That's a good point. Yeah. Also history. Right. So how do I know when I'm reading a book like Daniel, when I need to f- get to chapter seven, I'm like, oh, this is, this is not Daniel talking about now. This is well, in the future. How do I know to make that switch? So you do have, um, so one thing is like you can, this is where, again, using some resources will help you because it'll begin to alert you to stuff mm-hmm. and help you to understand these things a little bit better. But if you, Daniel's a great example because just read the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. He, the first, what, four or five chapters, I think, six yeah. chapters. It reads one way. Historical. Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's like, oh, okay, so there's a story of Daniel and the, the the vegetables and yeah. the the, the and fast the statue and the there's furnace. the fiery furnace the lion's den so these are like mm-hmm. very like okay story 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 then all of a sudden Daniel's like I was standing there and then there was someone like the ancient of days and there was a dragon and there was like then you're like wait a second that one is not like the other yeah, yeah. so then it, you can even see the shift just by looking at what they're Some talking language. about yeah right does it does it then take on a different tone it totally takes on a different tone mm-hmm. yeah. gospels never do yeah gospel state consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. So you do look for the different tonation. Even Isaiah has some elements of prophetic yeah. and historical. You know, he talks, he gets in, he's, he's given all these prophetic oracles of what God's going to do and different things. And then mm-hmm. he gets into this part about Hezekiah and mm-hmm. Sennacherib and stuff. So he, he gets into some historical aspects. Then he goes back to the prophets, yeah. prophetic section. So you have a little bit of mixture, but you can usually tell a little bit just in the tone and the style of what they're telling mm-hmm. um, when it does switch. But most of the books tend to stay with one genre yeah. for the most part um but that's again where some resources can help you but it's just like it's the same way as like when you sit down to read a book if you know what to expect from the book it gives you an indication of what to get out of it mm-hmm. if i'm reading a john grisham novel mm-hmm. i know i'm going to get a legal thriller mm-hmm. so i my mind is prepared for that mm-hmm. um if if you and so you kind of have certain expectations yeah. so if i sit down and i'm reading a book of the Bible that's a prophetic book to the to the people of Israel mm-hmm. or Judah, I'm going to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to get some messages from God to a group of people who are off track and God was either giving them a warning to get back on track or telling them, hey, you're not doing it, so this is what's going about, about to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of preparing myself for that. I'm mentally ready to learn from that and make application because I'm I'm already going into it. So a lot of times, like I said, and Revelation to me is probably the easiest one to talk about because it's so confusing Clear for people. Confusing. I mean, how many yes. people honestly <laughs> listening right now or watching have gone to the book of Revelation, read like the first three chapters and then been like out, mm-hmm. I'll pick you back up in January. Yeah. I'll, I'll read again. A lot of people mm-hmm. because they see it as not valuable or they see it as not applicable. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. If you go into it looking at it completely differently, and I know this is a little bit controversial, but if you go into it a little differently, you say, okay, if I'm reading this book and I recognize that John was writing to a group of Christians who are about to undergo intense persecution, okay, why would he have written all of these things to them? Mm -hmm. If he was only intending it for whatever the last generation, which could be this one, could be the next one, mm-hmm. could be five generations. We're talking maybe it's 2250. Yeah. We don't know. But how does it have application to that? Okay. So if I understand what the purpose is, who it was written to, 
kind of why it was written and the context in which it was written and then the style that it was written in then i say okay so there's a lot of imagery here there's a lot of symbolism he must be telling them some things about the world in which they live okay so now i'm starting to see some parallels to the world they lived in the roman world all these mm -hmm. kinds of things and now i'm drawing out stuff. So, oh so paul so john's writing to him like hey you got to endure mm. you've got to persevere your in some respects death is your testimony it's how you overcome remember so they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony mm -hmm. they overcame by that so so that now the application becomes in a world where there's persecution i overcome through my testimony of christ mm -hmm. is that applicable well ask the people in north korea who are christians mm -hmm. ask the people in china for the last 60 years mm -hmm. yeah. ask the people in islamic countries right now is that applicable to them yeah absolutely yeah. it speaks exactly to their world yeah. it says in there it gives imagery of being beheaded it's literally happening across the world right now yeah, yeah. are those people in that book suffering anything worse than hmm. what the people around the world are suffering right now yeah no they're going through the exact same thing so when they read the book of revelation not so much as let me give you a, a peek you know a little little interesting taste yeah. of what yeah. might happen, you know, fanciful kind of thing. But let me tell you what it's like to live under persecution mm -hmm. and succeed and overcome. Hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I can apply this. And then you look at these people and they're like, they were going through a very uncertain time where they didn't know what was going to happen. In their minds, they didn't conceive of an op of a situation where Rome was not in charge. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. right. you got to remember hundreds of years are and it encompasses yeah it, we, we think america's old because it's been 200 and something years and and we're like wow it's old no it's nothing compared to yeah. the roman empire so yeah. you imagine these people grown up in this they conceive of nothing <clears throat> but these bad guys being in charge and yeah. yet the book of revelation predicts and shows them how to overcome and they did overcome mm -hmm. so what that tells us now right now is whatever world power is dominant right now whatever situation is coming right now none of it can stand up to what god's doing behind the scenes and that regardless of who says they're in charge jesus is king mm -hmm. and that's the picture of revelation and then it becomes extremely applicable to everything you do so that's mm -hmm. the value of learning to study the bible yeah is that you find within every aspect of the bible something to bring into your life to say what is god teaching me today yeah that i can use when i go out into the world and that's the whole point the bible is not about information it's about transformation hmm. so if you're not being transformed by what you read in the bible then you're missing the point of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Every book from Genesis to Revelation has a transformative element for us when we read, draw out the true meaning, mm -hmm. what God intended, and then apply that meaning to our life. Yeah. And as you're saying, a big part of that is context. Um, like you're saying, we haven't even pointed out any scriptures in Revelation specifically, but if we look at the context of that book and who it was written to, the time it was written, even right there, by understanding the context, we get a better grasp of what the book is for and how it benefits us. And it doesn't even deny that there could be a world power that rises mm -hmm. and, and creates problems in the future. Yeah. I mean, there has been for thousands of years yeah. since yeah. that time it was written. So, right. But the point is, every time it happens, the playbook has already been written for right. how to yeah. deal with them. Yeah. yeah. Because they're all 
in the same line of the people that John was dealing with. It's yeah. the same spirit of Antichrist that, um, whether it's Hitler or, or Nero, or, Nero or, whomever. or whomever, or Chairman Mao or whatever, yeah. they're all in the spirit of Antichrist. And mm -hmm. so everyone has been given this playbook of how to deal with those kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you learn how to study the Bible, you get so much more out of it for daily living. Mm. And I think you reduce fear, yeah. right? So how much fear do we have going on about things that are happening in the world? Oh my goodness, World War III. Oh my goodness, this. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness, that. What must this mean? Is mm -hmm. this this? And what happens is when you really study the Bible and you understand it as God intended, you begin to understand how to apply it to your life. You also begin to reduce fear because you begin to say, people have already been through terrible things mm -hmm. and so, and God brought them through it. Or even if they ultimately paid with their life because of the book, what book of revelation shows us mm -hmm. they overcame mm -hmm. because they stood before the throne of God as victorious. The white robes were a sign of victory. Mm -hmm. So they were victorious. So what it tells us is no matter what happens in the world right now, Jesus is King. Mm -hmm. God is in control and we overcome whether we live or whether we don't. Mm -hmm. And so we have a way of dealing with fear. It's, a, you know, and, and you can go back to the gospels. You can go back to the, the, to Paul's writings. When he's talking about, you know, being resurrected or when, when Jesus, you know, says, don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. All of these things, all, when we understand the Bible in its context, it reduces fear because we get a sense of God's love and we get, get a sense of God's power mm -hmm. and his, his authority. Yeah. Yeah. So how much context should I look to get when I'm trying to study the Bible? Let's say I'm, I pick a book of the Bible. Do I need to study who, before I even crack it open, do I need to know who wrote it, who it was written to, when it was written, the history of the day? Like, how do I balance that with actually diving into the book itself? Well, every day you should just be reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. Just read it. Devotionally, just mm -hmm. read it. Yeah. But... It's okay too to take an extra ten minutes and and look at something. If you get a really good study Bible, mm -hmm. like one that again is it, the people in in charge of the study, the ones who were writing the study notes are people you trust. They're solid. They're mm -hmm. believers. You know, you you sense their statement of faith. If you do that, well, what happens is you read the um, you a lot of most of the study Bibles have a little introduction mm -hmm. that's like two pages long mm -hmm. before the book that will often give you the context, the author, mm -hmm. the audience it was written to, and it'll do it in a very succinct way. So mm -hmm. you don't need to go read like a 300 page book every time you want to sit down to read the Bible mm -hmm. in order to understand it. A simple two page synopsis at the beginning of a study Bible is often sufficient just to give you the information you need to know to begin to draw things out. And often if you find a really good study Bible, just the little study notes in there are enough as you're reading just to give you that little bit of extra context to help you um, decipher things that you might have missed otherwise, just because it's not your job, you know, studying histories, you, you do mm -hmm. other things. And so you need a little bit of extra help. So I encourage people to get a really good study Bible mm -hmm. with good study notes and start there because that's the simplest way to just get that little bit of extra info that helps you to draw more out of scripture. And then from there, if you want to go a little deeper, there are devotional type commentaries and other things that you could pursue and i encourage people to do that mm -hmm. uh, but it's not necessary the first things first is 
just start reading. You're never going to understand the Bible if you don't actually read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So that's the very first thing to do. Then from there, invest in a study Bible. I mean, they're pretty cheap on Amazon right now. Honestly, you can get them a lot cheaper than used to. And then that will give you some info and then take it from there. If you find yourself craving more information, mm-hmm. dig a little deeper, mm-hmm. find a good, a good study commentary. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a Bible reading um, plan or, or devotional, um, do you think that there is a method as far as how much I should read? I remember one of the well, a tip you gave me once, which I loved was to read the same book mm-hmm. for 30 days. Don't, yeah. if you finish the book, start it over. Don't go on to the next yeah. book of the Bible. And that I think really helped me as someone who likes to just read, read, read. Yeah. Um, what kind of tips do you have along those lines? Well, there's multiple ways, you know, we have Bible 365, which I think everyone should read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just a great way to make sure you're getting in a New Testament passage, Old Testament passage, mm-hmm. Psalm, Proverb every day. It's a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, if you want to go a little bit more, and I think a lot of people could, um, is one encouragement is if you have the time and generally speaking, if we do have more time than we admit, even mm-hmm. when we're busy, we still have time where we're wasting it on social media or on TV or whatever. So if you could squeeze in another 10 minutes, 15 mm-hmm. minutes, one of the best things to do when you're reading the new Testament is if you read a letter from Paul, read the entire letter in one sitting, mm-hmm. because it helps you get a better sense of what he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. When someone sends you an email or a text, you never read half of it and say, let me pick up the other half tomorrow. Hmm. You read the whole thing. So you get the whole message. Mm -hmm. So that'll help you get the message a little bit more. And then one time I did do that with the book of Romans. I read it every day for like four or six weeks or something Mm -hmm. like that. It was amazing because it it was a little bit longer. Obviously it took a little bit longer to read through that book. But what I found was after about two, three weeks of doing that, I was starting to just get it into my mind so much Mm -hmm. that it was like, almost like meditating on scripture. I was just Mm -hmm. getting more and more into it. And then you really begin to just see things you never saw before. So, because the Bible is so large, you read something and then you may not get back to it for a year. Mm -hmm. So sometimes spending a little bit more time in that. So I think it's good to have a devotional plan like Bible 365. That's just something you can consistently do day after day. It doesn't take that much. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to do this every day, but every so often consider reading an entire book in one sitting or consider... Mm -hmm. Um, reading a book more than once, or maybe if you have to split the book in two, you 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 read the same book every week mm-hmm. for for a month, you know, and so maybe you split it up over multiple days. So it's not bad to add a little bit more to it. It's a good way to push yourself. We always want to push ourselves. So like, yeah. if you go to the gym after you do your initial, you know, you 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 do a little workout at the beginning just to kind of learn and get comfortable. Mm-hmm. But then after you get comfortable, you don't just stay there. You push yourself. Mm-hmm. to grow that's that's the only way muscle grows that's the only way you lose weight is you push yourself a little bit more mm-hmm. the, the it's and basically that's just discipline yeah mm-hmm. and that's the same thing the discipline of bible reading is you push yourself a little bit more could you do just a little bit more mm-hmm. could you push yourself just a little bit farther yeah. and what happens is you start to grow your spiritual muscle yeah yeah that's awesome sure. i have loved that i think context um and genre play such, as you're saying, a huge role in, in how we understand the Bible. Um, and I, I think that as we go forward in this conversation, learning how we can study particular scriptures and passages and, and keep them in context will will do a lot to help us learn how to be better disciplined when it comes to Bible study. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. how often do you think of the Roman Empire? 
Never. Not that much. She will now. Like, yeah. yeah. Given yeah. this conversation, yeah. do you think you'll think of it more now? Yeah, more than I did. Yeah. So more than none. Yeah, so more yeah. than none. We've That's accomplished so something. <laughs> well, make sure you join us next time because we are going to get more in-depth about how we study and meditate and really chew on a particular scripture or passage. Um, so make sure you join us next time for the Fringing Grow With podcast.